Matthew 16, verse 13. I will not be long because um, Elder Albert, Elder Jenny, you, you, I'm not sure if you heard my message this morning, but you took half of my message so I can just stop where you left off. You may be seated. Those of you who bow down, stay, stay where you are. Whatever the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit do what he's doing. Matthew 16, verse 13 to 18. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? Who the men say that the son of man am? So they said, some say you are John the Baptist, some say you are Elijah, some say you are uh, Jeremiah, or even one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? You, you guys who have been around with me, you guys who have been hanging out with me, you guys who have been intimate with me, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, are, no, no human being could reveal this thing to you, but only my father in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I, I want to speak to you briefly on the subject. It's time to get rowing. It's time to get rowing. And rowing means we need a revelation. We need an observation. And we need an explanation. And this is just, I, I, I want to invite you to go on a journey with me. On a journey with me. Kind of picking up where Elder Albert and Elder Jenny left off. In 1974, I was 15 years old. And uh, like most guys, I, I grew up in this, comp in a, in this uh, denomination that I am the bishop of, called the United Pentecostal Council, the Sentences of God Incorporated, and we were having our first uh, convention uh, down south, and we were in a hotel. And of course, as a 15-year-old, yeah, I'm going down for church, but I'm also hoping to meet young ladies from Chicago and down south and, and New York. And I would like this girl. And during the convention, I'm like, man, I think she likes me. And I discover she didn't like me. And 15 years old, my heart was broken. I mean, I was devastated. 
And of course, you can look back over 50 years, or almost 50 years, and say, oh, yeah, you, you know, but you know what? It doesn't matter what age you are. When your heart gets broken, your heart gets broken. I gave my life to Jesus Christ at 10 years old. And I had a crisis of faith. You would say, what do you mean you have a crisis of faith at 15? I had a crisis of faith because now I'm in a real situation where my heart is broken, I am depressed, I am ashamed. And I opened the drawer of this hotel and I found a Gideon Bible. You know you have to be desperate when as a teenager you're looking at a Gideon Bible. And I started just looking at the scriptures and say, God, I know I learned a lot about you in Sunday school. And I know you're real, but I, I'm in a, I am in, I am just devastated. And can you, if you're real, can you do something for me right now in July 1974? And I don't remember what chapter it was, but he guided, you know this is the Lord. He guided me to the book of Isaiah. And I don't know, maybe it was comfort, he comforted me, my people. I don't know what he said, but I do know this. When the word of the Lord hit me, all of the pain, all of the discouragement, all of the depression just supernaturally left me. And I learned, wow, this, this, this God who I was taught about in Sunday school, he is doing something real. I was happy. I was smiling. Have you ever seen God do something in you that's so shocking that it's like you go outside of your body and you're looking at, like, who is this person? <laughs> that was almost 50 years ago. And, and, and I was so impacted by that that when I got my first job, I, I actually purchased a Bible as a teenager. I bought a Bible. It wasn't one the Sunday school gave me. It wasn't one that my parents gave me. I was a, I was a uh, junior in college, high school, and I bought my own Bible. Uh, some of you who have been here around a long time, I bought it at Fellowship Bookstore, if you remember that one. It's old school. And then, I don't know, something about this age of 19, at the age of 19, uh, had another crisis of faith. And what I mean crisis of faith, it wasn't about do I believe in God or not? That, that was a no-brainer. I do believe in God, but it was can, can God, can Jesus do real things in my real life? As a college student, as a sophomore at Bentley University, coming off my best semester, made dean's list, and my plan was to get my degree you know, in accounting, uh, be a BMW, 
go to Atlanta. Back, back then, Atlanta was the, it was the emerging city. It was the, it was the emerging it, black Mecca. It was, it was, it was the, 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 the place where things were shifting from Washington, D.C., Chocolate City, to Atlanta. Okay. Some of you aren't even bought. You think Atlanta was always the way it was. No, it, 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 was, it was emerging, and I was going to get on the front end of that as a BMW black man working. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And having been raised around here, I wanted to go to a place where there was going to be more of us and more of, hmm. And <laughs> can I be real with you? And so I went on a two-day fast. And I said, God, you know what my plans are? I'm not going to be foolish enough to backslide on you because oh, I know you're real. But of course, nobody ever plans to backslide. Okay. Okay. It's not called back leaping. It's sliding. And then what do you mean? You used to sit in the front, and then you sit in the second pew, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in the back pew. And then before you know it, you find yourself no longer coming to church. It's called sliding. So seeking the Lord in prayer and fasting, you heard this story before. God speaks to me and he says, you're going to marry Carmen Elaine Selman and you're going to pastor this church. Again, God speaking to me through his word Again, the book of Isaiah. My grandfather passed away in 1986 after three years into our marriage, Lady Common and I. And he gave each of his grandchildren $100. And which was a decent amount of money back then. And I, I said, well, I don't want to spend it on clothes or going to an expensive restaurant. I wanted to buy something that would remind me of my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather, his name was uh, Herman Green. So I took my inheritance money and I bought this Bible. That's why it looks so faded. Uh, 1986. Can't even see the word holy on it anymore. It says ole, anyway. <laughs> the reason why I bought it is because my mom, uh, she used to be an operator, that's, that's how long ago this was, uh, for, well, it's Verizon now, but it's gone through so many name iterations, the Bell Company, but anyway, she was an operator, and she, would, she was working uh, uh, the 8 p.m. to uh, midnight shift. So many times my grandparents who lived upstairs, they would, uh, they would babysit me and my brother, Kevin, uh, until my mom came home. And sometimes because she got home so late, we just ended up just staying overnight because it was just upstairs. But I remember almost regularly see my grandfather in the kitchen 
with the Word of God open. And if some of you remember uh, through the Bible, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, going way back there, yes. And he'd be listening, he'd be playing the radio with the Word all day long, and he would be studying the Word. And, and that left an impression on me. So I said, God, if your word is real, let me see your word do what it says it would do. And, and so my point is, is that from age 15 to now I am 64, 49 years, I have learned that this word is real. But I've also learned that as I'm traveling through life, I can't get stuck living in an old revelation of Jesus. What do you mean? The Jesus I knew at 15 is a different Jesus as a married man, is a different Jesus as a father, is a different Jesus in my 60s. What do you mean by that? He's a different Jesus. Meaning that when you're growing up in, in Sunday school and you know the song, Jesus loves the little children, all the children, red and yellow, black and white. You can't even say that anymore, right? <laughs> can't even say that anymore. <laughs> red and yellow, black and white. There are what? Precious in his life. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Now, some of you weren't raising church, you don't even know what that song is. But my point is this, is that you, you sing that at five. Sing that at four. If I started singing that at 64, you'd be like, are you kidding me? And so my point is, is that not so much Jesus is different, but I see him through a different lens of, okay, God, you were real to me as a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, but can you do real things now that I'm in high school? Can you do real things for me now that I'm in college, looking for a job, trying to get through, trying to pay my tuition, all the pressures where roommates are smoking marijuana and taking drugs and, and you know, and another roommate saying, hey, I need to use your room right now because I'm with such and such, and all that pulling on you. Yeah, mm -hmm. can I talk, can, am I talking? No, don't keep your hand down. I wasn't born 64 years old. Pastor, you don't understand. I understand more than you think. But I understand one thing. Because of this word, it kept me. I, I used to, I, I used to I, when I was growing up in church, and, and, and the older saints used to say, I thank God for keeping me. I'm like, keeping you from what? But now, how many of y'all remember when you were in church and the older saints used to say, I thank God for keeping me in my right mind? I'm like, right mind? Now? Come on now. Come on now. You don't even have to wait till you're old. You're like, we're the therapist. Let's something. But he'll keep you. 
Can I get a witness out there? Can I get a witness at a balcony? He'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, him because you trust in him. The next verse, trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah there is everlasting strength. Amen. So you say, well, what, what, does, what does this have to do with this message? And I'm timing myself. I've only been speaking 14 minutes, believe it or not. I want you to go on a journey with me in this season. I have studied all kinds of books. I have been walking with Jesus since I was 10, so that's 54 years. And I've heard the Lord say to me, Brian, I want you and the church to go on a new, fresh journey with Jesus. And I don't want you to bring your preconceived, your what you have known over the years, your Pentecostal. I want you to just travel with me with what the scriptures say. And this is the point. Like Peter and the disciples, they looked at Jesus and said, he's a prophet. He's like John the Baptist, but Peter got a revelation that came from heaven that made him realize that this Jesus is not just a prophet, he's the son of God. And I imagine it was like, whoa, he, he's the son of God. And Jesus says to him, only God could reveal that to you. And I'm believing that in this season, God is going to show us things about Jesus that we've never seen before. That God is going to speak to us corporately, but I believe he's going to speak to us individually in our own prayer times. I am, I am, I am going to label this month, uh, Sister Delia, I'm going to label this month the miracle month of May. Watch. The miracle month of March. The mir I am expecting God to do amazing things. Now, here's the challenge now. Are you ready for this? This is a challenge. The word of the Lord from, uh, to us as uh, our four churches from uh, Pastor Chandler was Isaiah. It goes that book again. Isaiah 43. The Lord says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you perceive it? So there has to be a posture of seeing what God is doing or else you will say God is not moving when he is moving right in front of you. You just don't perceive it. 
And if you don't believe me, look at the scriptures. You have these men called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're praying for 400 years between Malachi and Matthew for the Messiah to come, and he's standing right in front of them, and they called him the devil. So you have to have perception to know that God is doing something even if you can't see what he's doing. So I, I, there's been people, come on, Leon, you can raise your hand. There's people where God allows the devil to raise your rent because he wants to give you a new house. Yeah. Am I right about it? And then, and then, and then God has the nurse, oh, I'm going to really bless you. Uh, you know, oh, this, I don't know, what was it, a 50, 60 flat-inch television that they say, I will just leave that for you. They start, God, will, God will make unbelievers just leave stuff for you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I think Elder Roy, when you first bought your house, what did they They said, well, we'll leave the washer and dryer for you. Amen. How many can use that blessing when people just leave stuff for you? Okay, that's, that's three people. That's right. You can pay. I want God to do, come on, come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Well, God, hey, we have a young lady in the church right now who somebody just gave him a car. Gave him a car. Her name is Josephine. Gave her a car. Said, God will, God will, if you hang with God, he will give you a blessing that he's going to ask you one question. Did I do it or were you lucky? And some of you, he's got to deal with your heart so you don't give luck credit for what he did. That's a bad word right there. That's why, that's why God can't move for you because yeah, cause, cause when people ask you, how did it happen? You start getting them bad. You know, it just so happened. No, it didn't just so happen. God wants you to you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And your testimony has got to be true. I like what Sister Jenny said. Brother Albert didn't just come back changed and different. No, he met Jesus. And so I am asking God, even though I've been walking with him for over 50 years, I want a new revelation of Jesus. Now, be careful what you ask for, because God will put you to a test. Mm, let me close with this. So, whoo, Jesus. So, um, we had an amazing time. Well, I wasn't here, but I was watching online. Amazing time with the Ash Wednesday Lent uh, service, season service with people. And we gathered. We had about well, 10 pastors gather here, and everybody's congregation was like, oh, this is amazing. This is good. Let's get together for Good Friday. Okay, Good Friday. Now, if you've ever been in a Good Friday with this church, we, we do Good Friday with the Cambridge Black Pastors Churches. And the Good Friday, the tradition is to have, um, to have uh, the seven last words. The seven last words of Jesus. How many, anybody familiar with that? The seven last words where, and it's not like one word, but it's like, be, mother behold your son. It's basically the seven last phrases Jesus said on the cross. Uh, uh, mother, be, mother behold thy son, son behold thy mother. When he's talking to John the Baptist, I thirst. And, and so this has been going on for man, almost four decades now. And, and we've invited pastors and, 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 and different speakers to speak, and everybody gets a word. And when it first started out, not being familiar with it, after you start 
realizing it, uh, how this goes. Every, no, every pastor, every preacher is looking. They want the one that says, it is finished. Okay. And sometimes it, it, can, it can get carnal where, where, where it becomes a preaching competition. You know, who can get the most amens and who can get the, ah, and it is finished. And, and, and so, um, so that's what I'm used to. And, and so I'm talking to Larry Kim, Pastor Larry Kim. Uh, he pastors uh, Central Square Church. And, and um, he, said, he said, well, uh, he said, no, I envy PT because you all get, you all get two Easters. <laughs> two Easters. We, we, we shout on Good Friday, and then we shout on Easter. And, and, and what you may not realize that in, in uh, what I would call uh, liturgical churches, like you're not allowed to say hallelujah till Easter. Any, anybody know what I'm talking about? And so we break all of the liturgical, uh, someone say, yeah, you all were saying hallelujah on Ash Wednesday, like, like on you. <laughs> and, and I discovered, I discovered, come on, that we don't, we as black people have experienced enough pain that we, we, go from, we go from Palm Sunday to Easter. We skip Monday, Thursday. We skip betrayal. We skip the crucifixion. Like, like we don't really skip the crucifixion, but we really do. Yeah, it's sort of like Tony Campolo has a, a, had a sermon, one of my mom's favorite sermons. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Okay, okay. And so the preacher says, you know, it's Friday. Jesus was hanging on the cross. All things were lost. The disciples flee. But this Friday, that was Friday. Sunday's coming. Okay. And be like, preacher. Yeah, it's Friday. Oh, not Pharaoh. Excuse me. Pilate thought he had him down. Pilate thought he was dead. Pilate thought he was the, was the king. But Sunday's coming. Ah, preaching. We shout. We worship. We dance. Ah. Like it's Easter. But it's still Friday. Because we don't want to deal with the pain. We don't want to be there with, we, we, look, we had enough suffering for 400 years. Let's just get to Easter. Jesus rose from the grave. We want to get out. Here's I spent the vanity. Like, we, we want joy. So, Pastor Larry Kim says, well, uh, I said, we're going to have this, let's have this. And he says, well, we do, I never even heard of this. We do a service called uh, Tenebri. Tenebri. Hmm? Bray? Bray. Bree? Bray. Okay. No, that means my dictionary pronounced it wrong. I thought it was bright, bright too. So Tenebrae. Now, what is Tenebrae? When he described it to me, I said to myself, my people ain't going to go for that. <laughs> I, I, I sent a copy of the service to one of my leaders, and they said, this looks so depressing. 
You know me, uh, I love the etymology of the words. Antenna bray, I'm gonna pronounce this, antenna bray, is translated to mean darkness. So he described a service to me where you walk into the church and there's no hallelujahs, praise the Lord, we have come into this. You, you walk into the service and the whole objective of the service is for you to feel the weight of what Jesus went through for our salvation. He said the first thing they do when you get at the door, they don't hand you a communion cup, they hand you a nail. And you're to hold the nail for that service so that you can understand what Jesus went through for you. And I started meditating on it and thinking about that. And God said to me, I'm doing a new thing do you want to walk with me in a new thing that is not part of how you usually do Good Friday? And, 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 so, and then he explained to me, they start out with seven candles lit. And after each reading, they put out a candle. And they put out a candle. And finally, there is darkness and you walk out in darkness. Well, where did that come from? When Jesus, read your Bible, when Jesus died, the Bible says darkness covered the earth. And as I pondered that, I asked myself, I wonder if one of the reasons we don't appreciate our salvation is because we don't take enough time to sit and what Jesus went through to secure our ability to rejoice and dance. I mean, the good news is that he's no longer on the cross. He's no longer buried. He's sitting at the right hand of God with all power and might. But to get there, he had to go through death. So I am looking in this season for a new revelation of Jesus, a, a, a fresh revelation of Jesus, because I believe the Jesus we serve is, is going to do amazing things in this year, 2023, to prove that he still has the power and might that he showed over 2,000 years ago. I believe Jesus is saying to some of us, I'm on the move, but you're still stuck with the Jesus that you were introduced to when you were a teenager. You're still stuck on the Jesus that you had when you were a little bitty person in Sunday school. It's time to grow up and see what Jesus is saying to you right now. And as I shared this this morning, a student came up to me and he said, thank you very much because 
I was at the same place you, you talked about where I'm literally saying, maybe this Jesus thing isn't all that I thought it was growing up. And I think part of that is because now, you know, at some point, and I'll finish with this, at some point, you know, my mom, raise your hand, mom, for those of you who don't know you, my mom is 86 years old, and so she raised me in the house of the Lord, but at some point, her God has to become my God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. At some point, I have to know God for myself. And, 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 and as I started knowing God for myself, then I have my daughter, Jessica, and Vanessa might be around here someplace. They have to know God for themselves. Repeat these words after me. God, God has, has no, no grandchildren. grandchildren. Could it be that the reason why you're going through what you're going through is not simply because of the devil. It's because God is, wants to use a real situation to show you that he can make a way where there is no way. I want to encourage you to go on this journey with me. I want to encourage you that you're going to see God show up in powerful ways. Let me end this with a, with a real life story. Uh, Jamil, some of you uh, don't, I've known Jamil, we, we knew each other since freshman in high school. He went to Ringe Tech, which is Cambridge Ringe in Latin. That's where the Ringe comes from. But there were two schools, Ringe Tech and Cambridge High in Latin. Elder Cameron went to Cambridge High in Latin. He went to Ringe Tech. And uh, you may not realize this. I'm, uh, he wouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it. And he was, one of the, he was one of the best basketball players in the state of Massachusetts. Okay, so, That, that's, that's see, all, all of us old school people remember him, see, and, and, and his nickname in Cambridge was Dip. His nickname was Dip, as in Honey Dip, because his, his game was so sweet. <laughs> now back then there wasn't no McDonald's All-American, there was no McDonald's back then, so there used to be what the, they called the shootout. So he played against Glenn Rivers. Doc Rivers, you know, he's Doc Rivers was one of the best players in Chicago. Jamil was one of the best players in Massachusetts, and he en and he ended up going to uh, Providence College, which is uh, the Big East when the Big East was Georgetown and all that. And so, and basically, what you don't realize, he was also one of the guys who mentored. Patrick Ewing, because Patrick Ewing came, he moved to Cambridge, didn't know how to play basketball, and you know, they, 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 they taught him the hard way. <laughs> so Jamil, uh, we connected years later, uh, and uh, he's Muslim, and, and I went to a, I went to a it wasn't a street service, it was more like, um, 
I don't know. It was, it was, it was, there was something going on in, in, in Senate Park, which is right over here. I never go through there except that uh, Kingdom Empowerment Church was doing something there, and I just wanted to walk through just to support them. I walked through, and I see Jamil. This is what I'm talking about, encounters. And he says to me, God told me, now he's Muslim. Did you hear what I said? He's Muslim. He said, God told me to come to Senate Park to see you. <laughs> you know there's time when God will do things that even though you know God, you still can't believe what he did? And I'm saying to myself, I am never here. I just so happened to see. So he said, and he says, I don't know, I'm wrestling with this, this God thing. I'm Muslim, but I'm wrestling with this God thing. And I said to him, see, this is, this is what I'm talking about. God has to prove himself. I didn't tell him, you know, Jesus was born in the manger and da 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 because he was raised in Western Alabama. Western Avenue Baptist Church, so he knew the gospel, but at some point, he's like, you know, became a Muslim. And I said this, I don't know if you remember, I said this to him, I said, come to this room, and you're gonna have an encounter with God where I won't have to say anything. If God is, and I said, I don't know if you remember, I said, if God is real, he's gonna prove himself real for himself. I'm not saying we shouldn't witness, but in the final analysis, if God, you, can't, you can't talk somebody into salvation. Okay, how many scriptures you know? God has to reveal himself. Like, 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 like the scripture says, Jesus, the whole, God has to open people's eyes to see. And so he came, and I asked him, because we used to play basketball at the Y, so I saw him, and, and he, he gave his heart to the Lord after that service Sunday. And um, still a little bit disappointed in what he said to me, because I said, well, how was the service? He said, Bishop, as soon as I walked in here, I was weeping like a baby, just crying like a baby. And I was like, yeah, presence of the Lord. And you know, in my mind, I was like, well, what do you think of my sermon? He said, I don't even know what you said. <laughs> I just know that I had an encounter with God, and he's still here. If God can get through all of that to get to him, what about people saying, here I am to worship, Lord? And so I'm gonna challenge you in this miracle month of March that you say to God, Jesus, I wanna see you in a new way. And I, I am trusting that this church will be transformed by the power of God. I wanna see miracles. I wanna see people healed. I wanna see signs and wonders. But most importantly, I wanna see hearts changed and hearts open to God. As if he had his bowed and every eyes closed.
you're already on this journey if you've never met Jesus. Or you're raised in the church and you, you, you remember your little lessons, but now those little lessons don't seem to be working anymore. In fact, you, you, you left the God of your childhood. And yet unbeknownst to you, though you left him, his hand has still been on you and actually that's one of the reasons why you're here, because he is after you. He's pursuing you. Maybe you're a teenager and you're like, wow. I'm, I'm sensing something happening in this room. I can't explain it, but I'm having a crisis of faith because I thought this Jesus stuff was just nice little Sunday school stuff, but I'm, God is speaking to me. I don't know what space or place you're in, but I do know one thing. Jesus wants to either A, introduce himself to your life, or B, reintroduce himself to your life in this season. Where you're like Peter, you can say, whoa. I, 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 prior to that question, I thought you were a prophet, but God opened my eyes, and I see you as a son of God and I want to give you my life. I want to go on this journey that Elder Albert and Elder Ginny talked about. I want to go on this journey that Bishop talked about. This journey where Jesus, as the older saints used to say, he gets sweeter and sweeter as the day goes on. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we're not here to embarrass you, but we just want to pray for you if you never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Or you are walking with him, and you know you're not walking with him any longer, but, yeah, but you can sense the Holy Spirit saying, come back to me. Either or, Jesus wants you to do life with him. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be struggling. You don't have to be trying to make things work. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, God already has a plan for you. He already has a purpose for you. Jeremiah chapter one says, while you were in your mother's womb, God already knew who you were. And he has a plan for you. But he's not going to shove his plan down your throat. He's not going to twist your arm, but he's going to keep knocking at the door of your heart. And he says, if you would answer that door, I and my Father will come into your life and we will do life together. If you've never if you want to give your life to Jesus right now, you're saying, Bishop Brian, could you please pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus. Could you slip up your hand? I just want to make sure I don't miss anybody. And I'll pray for you. You don't have to come up here, but I want to make sure I, I, don't, I see that hand. God bless you. 
any other hand, just raise your hand. I just want to make sure we don't miss anybody. And if you're down in a lower sanctuary, I can't see your hand, that's all right. Um, just lift your hand right there. Okay, as your hand is lifted, I want everybody to pray this prayer with me, but especially the individuals who raise your hand. You pray this prayer with me also. Uh, we're praying it together so that you don't feel self-conscious, but keep your hand up as if to say, God, I'm over here. And repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I come to you and I admit that I'm a sinner. And all that means is Jesus does not live in my heart. But Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and God raised you from the dead so that I could be a child of God. So Jesus, because you're alive, your word says, whoever calls on your name shall be saved. So Jesus, I call on your name. Save me from my sin and make me a child of God. Jesus, thank you for hearing my prayer. And now I know I'm a child of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Could you just give God 10 seconds of praise? Thank you, Lord. 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 Please stand at this time. Thank you, Lord. Those of you who raise your hand, uh, if, if a packet uh, has not already been given to you, please see somebody from the welcome team. We'll make sure that you get a free Bible and give you some information to make sure that you are able to grow in Christ. Uh, I'm going to ask again that you just join me in this journey this month, the miracle month of March. We're going to see some amazing things. We also, uh, I want to wish, uh, today is Brother Jerry's 70th birthday. Raise your hand, Jerry. <laughs> This man is a walking miracle. This man is a walking miracle. I think he had two heart attacks in one of them and died. One of them he dropped dead in the middle of Harvard Square. And the only reason he was alive, he just so happened to drop dead in front of an ambulance. <laughs> I mean, God, and to see and, and, and this is a man, when he gave his life to Jesus, he would come to morning prayer in the snow with a walker because of the heart attack. And now look at him now. Look at him now. God is a restorer. If you could hear his testimony, his, his, his son hated him. Sons hated him. 25 years they refused to see him. But God restored that relationship. Allowed him to see his grandchildren. I tell you, God is a restorer. He's a real God. Amen, amen. And so Father, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. 
Lord, we know that if anybody needs prayer, they can come to prayer up to this altar to pray after the service. But Father, I thank you for this room, this space. Wow, God. Wow, God. If this is the first Sunday that we're spending at 77 Columbia Street, I don't know what the end of March is going to look like. We may have to get this church remodeled because of the bedlam that's going to break through. But Lord, we're excited. There's, there's, a, there's an anticipation. There's a stirring that that we're going to see Jesus in a new way, Lord Jesus. Even as these wonderful uh, uh, articles that have been that are that are devotionals that are on our website, if people want them, you can go to PTCB, where people in this church are writing devotionals about Jesus and and the Son of God, Lord. Oh, Spirit of God, this is an exciting month, Lord, and I pray, Father, that. We'll make a demand of, on the anointing that we will not settle for just ho-hum Christianity, but we will go after you. We will pursue you. Like what uh, Elder Jenny and Elder Albert said, that they, I'm not saying that everybody should do this, but they took a year off from school, from Harvard University, in order to get closer with God so that when they went back to school, everything was different, Lord. And I'm not saying to drop out of school or anything, Lord have mercy, no. But what I'm saying, Lord, that we're gonna take this month and we're gonna pursue you so that by time Easter comes, we're gonna know the resurrected Lord in a new, a fresh way. Lord, remove us from tradition, remove us from putting you in a box because we've been in church all our lives and help us to see you in a different way. And I pray at the end of this, by the time Easter comes, that there will be testimonies that people say, Bishop, you will not believe what God has done into my life because, I am, because I'm seeking him in a new, fresh way, Lord. Help us to obey you. Help us to be like Mary said to the, ser to the, to, to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. If some of us, you've, you told some of us who started the consecration in January, some of us are still fasting because you told us to. Lord, some of us you're saying, hey, I want another fast. Some of us you're saying, I want another 10 minutes of prayer time. Lord, whatever you're telling us to do, in this season, it, there's grace to do it. So Lord, as we leave this place, dismiss us from this place, but not from your presence. And we thank you, Lord. We don't take for granted that your spirit was here at this service. Thank you, Lord. And thank you that there's more to come, Lord. Meet with us in the Bible class on Tuesday night. Meet with us in the morning prayers, the midnight prayers, the upper room, the biblical justice prayer, the children's prayer, and of course, Friday night encounters. Meet with your people. In Jesus' name, amen, and God bless you.